Hey, it's Sean Fennessy, host of The Big Picture. Did you just see the latest tentpole blockbuster? Or a surprisingly fun new movie on a streaming service? Or maybe you just want to bone up on the greatest films ever made? From reviews to rankings, career retrospectives to movie drafts, and everything in between, The Big Picture is here for you. Listen to The Big Picture for free on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. All right, J.K. Simmons in the house. One of the top 10 Simmonses. I think we're both in the top ten. I think top five we can go. I was trying to be generous. How many great Simmonses are there? Ted Simmons? Gene. Gene Simmons. Russell Simmons' stock has dropped. I think he yeah. might have fallen out of the top ten. I'm trying to think uh, what other. Al your, Simmons, great baseball your, player. Right. You got your Henry Simmons, another actor. You got your Johnny Simmons. Simmons. another. Well, you know, you're not old enough, but Gene Simmons. The female Gene Simmons. Oh, the actress. Before the, I remember that one. Yeah, before Ben the Simmons on the 76ers. Gene Simmons, Ben Simmons. There was a Clyde Simmons Andrew on the Elton Packers. Simmons. Yeah. I mean, pretty awesome. There's not that many Simmonses, and most of them are black. So when I was buying the, when I was always hoping there was going to be a wide receiver on the Patriots named Simmons. And then it happened 20 years ago. We drafted Tony Simmons in the second round. I had no money. And I spent like $260 on his authentic jersey because I was like, this is it. There's a Simmons on the Patriots. He lasted like two yeah, years. Yeah, for a while. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So now when I wear it, people are like, that's so weird. You got a Simmons jersey with your name on it? I was like, no, actually, we had this guy. He never made it. So I, I don't even know where to start with you, but I, I'm going to start here. My first real experience with you as an actor is you were one of the most evil people who've ever been on TV. It's not TV, it's HBO. You were a serial <laughs> a serial neo-Nazi rapist on the first great drama they ever and had. And killer, come on, full credit. And murderer, yeah. I forgot, and murderer, yeah. and uh, riot provoker, and just one of the worst people who's ever been on TV. Just all around general guy, yeah. And after seeing that for four years, you you just start thinking that person's actually like that. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, well. Like, he has to be like that, he can't be that evil. And that was my wife's fear, was that I was just going to get my butt kicked on the one train, you know, on the, coming home from work. Uh, fortunately, the people who sort of confused fantasy with reality in that regard were mostly the people who thought Vern was a pretty righteous oh, dude. Like you're you're yeah, their guy. Yeah. There were people who came Some up and go, right ideas. on, man. I dig what you're saying. <laughs> and I'd be like, oh, yeah, okay, good to meet you. <laughs> I like what you stand for. Yeah. Uh, Oz was incredible. And yeah. it got lost in the shuffle because I think, you know, and this happens in sports too with athletes and stuff where people forget. People think Michael Jordan was the first great dunker and it was actually Dr. J. Right. And even yeah, before yeah. him, it was Elgin Baylor. 
Oz was the first great HBO drama, and it, was, it did stuff that not, that we just hadn't seen before. It was incredible. Yeah, I mean, it was truly groundbreaking, and I, I have no trouble tooting the Oz horn because Tom Fontana is uh, not yeah. only a creative genius, but one of the great people on the planet, and uh, that was such a huge thing for tons of us in the cast and crew, and it was really the first drama on pay cable, and, if, and we're look, we're talking 20 and a half years ago now because 1997 was, uh, you know... Yeah, if there were other dramas, I don't remember them. I certainly can't remember a a drama that had that many cast members. I mean, like Hill Street Blues, St. Elsewhere, people like that on basic network shows, but not on a cable. Well, St. Elsewhere, that was Fontana's first TV thing. So that's... a good it's, connection there, yeah. I mean, the the, the cat that cast was, and there were people that would come and go, like like these amazing actors, right? And people would say, "Oh, what was it like working with uh, you know Uda Hagen or you know yeah. whoever?" And I'd go like, "I don't know." <laughs> I mean, there's there's so many plots going on seen. that I didn't get to meet a lot of these people. It was the arc of that show is pretty cool because the first season's, I don't want to say it's laid back because it was in prison and it was over the top, but by the second, I would say the second and third seasons. I haven't watched it in a while, but man, it just really started going places. And um, it was one of those shows like, hey, I used to, my buddy Joe House used to watch it. And we would like call each other after the episodes. Be like, oh my God, add a BC. Holy, oh my God. Putting the headphones on before he rapes the unconscious uh, guy. Oh, you gotta have your tunes. Oh my God. It was so over the top. And I've never had an experience like that up until that point with a show where I'm like, I, anything is possible in this show. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that was the beauty of of that time and that place and, and HBO at the time, which coincidentally, Chris Albrecht was running HBO at the time. He's now running Stars. Where my yeah, new for show your was. new show. Yeah. yeah. Um, but he just, I mean, he just gave Tom, like, here's your budget. It ain't much. Do whatever you want. I mean, literally no holds barred. And that was, you know, if you're going to make a prison drama, that's what you want to hear. You know, you don't want to be on a, you know, a traditional broadcast network going, oh, you freaking Negro. I don't right. like you. you know? I'm a skinhead who yeah, doesn't yeah. say the N word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, it was, yeah, I mean, it was it was uh, uh, just the most raw storytelling uh, it could be. It was, I always felt like that show and then Sex in the City, which was pretty much around the same time, was kind of H. Sanders was the first great show they had. Right. But Sex in the City and Oz, which are obviously completely different shows in every respect, but they both kind of were the first ones that tested the limits of, oh, we're on cable. People are paying for this. If they don't like it, they can go away. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll push the envelope this way. What was your backstory before you got that job? Because I'm assuming that was your first uh, like huge break, right? Uh yeah, yeah. I, my backstory was uh, I was loving life uh, doing theater all over the country in different regional theaters for $112 a week, uh, playing Shakespeare for a couple of months in Pittsburgh and then going to Albany and doing a new play and then going to Buffalo and doing a musical and uh, finally did some Broadway shows and uh, in the like first half of the 90s. And then really made a conscious decision with my agent. I was doing my, my, my fifth Broadway show was a Neil Simon play called Laughter on the 23rd Floor with a great cast, and we had a great time. And most of that cast, John Slattery, Mark Lynn Baker, Nathan wow. Lane, I mean, great people, Randy Graf, uh, a lot of them had television and film careers kind of bubbling too. And, and uh, 
and they would walk out to their mailbox and get a surprise check every once in a while for residuals from whatever, you know, and I thought that's a really cool idea. Yeah. I think it's instead of paying for stuff I did. Yeah. Instead of doing eight shows a week, you know, that's the same. And, uh, you know, I, I'm going to try doing something different all the time and, uh, and, you know, maybe make some money. And, uh, uh, and coincidentally that happened about the time my wife and I had gotten together. So just about the time that I started having some grown up responsibilities as like a 40 year old, wife, kids, mortgage was about the time that, uh, that some on-camera work started coming. I did a couple of guest spots and then, uh, and then Fontana plucked me for, uh, the land of Oz. I hesitate to ask this, but did Fontana say there's this part of a, of a neo-Nazi murderer, serial rapist that I think you'd be perfect for, <laughs> yeah. or did he well, just audition you and no, you stumbled actually, into it? Uh, the, uh, I, I did audition for it, but but one of the fir- the the first big guest starring part on TV I ever had was I don't know months or a year before that on Fontana's show Homicide. Oh Life yeah, on yeah, the street. good one. Um, and I played a neo Nazi evil murdering yeah. bastard, you know, different from Vern, um, but similar, obviously. And uh, so that that was why. I was the first guy in Tom's mind, and then he brought me into uh, uh, to audition in a way. But he didn't even have scripts written at that point. He had um, he had some of the monologues that Harold Perrineau's character uh, Augustus Hill, yeah, the, the guy, wheelchair the, guy, the wheelchair guy, yeah, who was kind of the Greek chorus for the show. So he had a bunch of actors just reading some of those, and then we just kind of talked about the character that he was creating, and and uh, and I had learned the power of the medium by that time because after doing theater for 20 years and nobody caring when I'm walking down the street, I'd done two guest spots and I'm walking down the streets in New York and, and I'm getting stopped all the time you know, of homicide. by people that saw me on Homicide wow. or I did a guest spot on a, a series called New York Undercover. Yeah. And, um, and I, I thought, if this is the response from one guest spot, He's talking to me about playing like this evil dude, yeah. head of the Aryan Brotherhood. I, I mean, I, I almost talked my way out of it because I was afraid this is the beginning of my what I hope is going to be a, a, a an acting career on camera, and I I just I cannot be typecast as this character for the rest of my life. I don't know how you weren't. It's amazing well, that you've shed it. It was just a total stroke of luck that within months after uh, uh, or weeks after we finished shooting the first season of Oz, my agent gets a call from law and order and they want me to play the shrink on law and order. So nice. one, one night, you know, law and order, the most watched a, TV show. Yeah, probably right, ever. yeah. And, and there were only two shows in New York <laughs> yeah. at the time. And those were the two shows. So I'm, I'm yeah. playing the, the psychiatrist on law and order and the psychotic on Oz and, and people are seeing, you know, the yin yang thing going on. And I mean, it was beautiful. <laughs> so when did you, did you get, on the streets, you're getting noticed immediately for us. Oh yeah, I don't yeah. know how many people had HBO back then. I know well, I had it, but I, I mean, never had a feel. Especially in New York. Yeah, I mean, oh I mean, yeah, all of us, and uh, uh, you know, and there were a few familiar faces, you know, that that people knew, but it was a lot of uh, a lot of characters and actors that were not familiar. A lot of theater guys like me. Um, it still and- felt like HBO. You know, you think about you think back like Edie Falco's on the first two seasons, but in the second season, she's also. Tony Soprano's wife. Right. It, which is something that they would never do now in 2018, oh, right? Listen. They would never have a character on two different shows. Back yeah. then, it's still like, oh, we like her. We'll throw her in this other show. I, right. I don't feel like 
they knew how big these shows were going to be. Well, and that, I mean, you know, that was also part of the beauty of of uh, Fontana, you know, as the as the sort of uh, paterfamilia, you know, because he let us out. I'm thinking of Harold getting out to do the Matrix movies. Right. He let me out to do Spider-Man. I mean, he was like, I'm not going to stand in people's way. Yeah. He, he, I got all these characters on my show. I mean, Dean Winters went off and did the the, uh, uh, the SVU, um, the Chris Maloney. I mean, uh, most of us had other opportunities coming our way because of Oz. And Fontana never stood in cast. the way. He always made it work. Yeah. I mean, it was, it, I used to always brag about, you know, people would talk about what a great cast it is. And I'd say, well, yeah, man, it's it's New York. That's where the best actors are. Yeah. Now I live in L.A., so I, <laughs> I, I don't say that so much anymore. What, do you, what, what did you think was peak Oz? Um, you know what? I what was the highlight for you? You don't even uh, think back anymore. I mean, I, I, I don't. It was, it was such a groundbreaking show, I think, in, in just, you know, American culture uh, and obviously such a, a career-altering thing for me. At, at the time, I was just, uh, you know, trying to live in the moment and, and loved it. And, uh, but I don't, I mean, I haven't, then you just move on. I, yeah. I haven't yeah. watched it in forever. Cause I mean, it's streaming I guess, now. I guess the, the, the first moment that comes to mind is Lee Turgeson pooping on my face. <laughs> you know, that was a, certainly a seminal moment in the history of television. <laughs> I think it was the first face shitting. I, I think so. I mean, I don't, I can't recall another one. <laughs> <laughs> there might've been some since Tate, Tate's only 24. Did you watch Oz? Have you seen Oz? I've only seen a couple episodes, but yeah, I understand. Tommy, have you seen it? I've seen it three times, yeah. all the way through. Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah, I never know what the it younger was, generation. Well, and it was, I mean, there were people that would come up to me on the streets and say, and like sometimes they'd come up and say, oh, well, hey, Law and & Order, and I'd go, oh, and that show Oz, oh my God. I just, I'm sorry. I just can't watch it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like would apologize for the show being too intense for them. And I'd be like, hey, you know, it's it's okay. You know, I don't feel did, bad. I think it did have a male audience. I mean, well, I guess it definitely a, had that. I mean, yeah. we were a big hit in the village. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, there were, but it went, I mean, every demographic, you know, uh, black, white, young, old, rich, poor. I mean, truly every demographic would come up to me with, with something to say about that show. My parents, you know, who were just about retiring age in uh, living in Missoula, Montana, yeah. you know, and, and, and they watched the show every week because it was such great storytelling about oh, yeah. these characters. But, but my so mom, good. and this is old in the VCR days, you know, 20 years ago, and my mom, uh, we're talking on the phone one time and she said, she, uh, uh, well, she said, we haven't watched last night's episode yet. We decided it's not really good to watch it and then go to bed. <laughs> Smart. So, so we tape it and we watch it the next day. We good. go out on the porch and listen to the birds sing and look at the kind sunny of, day. And unwind. Then, you know, kind of unwind a little bit. I yeah. can't. I can't remember because I probably blocked it out of my mind. Did you get naked on us? Yeah, you must have, right? Yeah, everyone no, all, got. Everyone had their tour of nakedness yeah, on us. We all had our turn in the hole, and uh, and there was there was a major transition for me between the first season of Oz and the rest of Oz because. The first season, I had pretty much been letting myself go for a long yeah. time. I was, I was like, and I started watching the show, you know, just as it aired. And I thought two things. First of all, just vanity and my my former G. I used to think I was kind of athletic, you know, thing took over, and I was like, oh, oh my god, who is the doughboy? Right. And then the other thing was just verisimilitude as an actor. I'm looking at that, going, I, I don't. I'm, I'm having a hard time believing this guy is the head of the Aryan Brotherhood, and, and he looks like he's the, the guy Stay Puff Marshmallow. Yeah. Guy. yeah. 
So uh, between the first and second seasons, I, I dropped like 35, 40 pounds. Did a little Billy Blanks Tybo? Not exactly, but, you know, a, a version of that. I, I, I actually uh, trained with a, a Billy Blanks looking kind of guy mm. named Mott's in New York. Um, and, uh, yeah, just got back into the gym. And, and really that was an impetus that's... Uh, that's helped me mostly. I've had a couple of lapses, but you know, mostly stay uh, healthy and fit over the years. So, so when I was naked in the first season, I was kind of crumpled up in the corner, you know. Hiding. And then, uh, and then I, uh, the next time Tom threw my butt in the hole, I think uh, um, I, uh, I thought I, I pitched this version of going into the hole to him, where because I'm all hooked up now and I have Aryan brothers. Uh, yeah. uh, Bill Fagerbach, he played a, a a corrections officer who was also one of my Aryan Brotherhood guys. So I thought. I'm hooked up, so instead of throwing me into the hole, I'm gonna I'm gonna walk in there like I'm the king of the joint and kind of strut in. And so I I, I did my uh, my naked strut, uh, yeah, with That's my uh, my lily white butt. Yeah, Wasn't I definitely blocked television. that out of my yeah. mind. Yeah, good, good <laughs> um, thing to black out. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. I feel like Oz could come back. I think they could actually, I think I would say this about very few shows. I'm not saying we'll come back with you. I mean, you're, you've ascended us. Well, 90, but I'm saying like the idea of the a, a prison show. I'm kind of ready for it again. I'm ready to go back in, well, especially a show like that. I'm just ready. It's been 20 years. I'm ready for another tour. All right. Well, I'll talk to Fontana. Tom Fontana. Yeah, tell him, yeah. tell him to get his, tell him to get all of his B-list ideas and start sprucing them up. Oz too. I mean, God Oz knows. Too. Frank Baum wrote like a thousand Oz books. Why not? Why Did not? Oz blow up? I can't remember. Was there one where it, it was almost, it was almost going to blow up? It almost blew up, yeah, uh, and that was God. that was when we didn't know after season four. Yeah, if it was going to get we did alternate endings yeah. for season four because we didn't know. actually we had a version of me getting killed at the end uh, of season four. I got shanked by uh, God. Was it Saeed? I think it was Kareem Saeed, uh, Eamon Walker, and um, oh yeah, and then and then you know and then we we didn't know it. It, am I? They take me off. It's like, am I? Are they taking me to the morgue or the hospital? And fortunately for us, it turned out to be the hospital. The funniest thing during the Oz run, you were in for love of the game as the manager of Kevin Costner's Perfect Game. Yeah, yeah. And my I'm hometown like, oh my Detroit God, it's Tigers. manager. Is he going to start like a like an Aryan race war in the locker well, room? That was, What's going to happen? You know what? That was one of the. Well, first of all, that was the dream job of my life. Yeah, because you're a Tigers. Because I'm a Tigers guy, born and raised there. And uh, uh, the the only bad news for me was, despite the fact that I'm like one week, I think older than Costner. Yeah. He gets to play the stud pitcher and I, I get to play the manager. Um, <laughs> you have a little mustache, right? Well, I grew the stash for it. And that was, and, and my main thinking there was Jim Leland. 
You smart. Who also had Tiger ties, but he was the manager of the Pirates at that time. I was a big, obviously a big Tiger fan, but I was a big Jim Leland fan too. And uh, and then I also thought, yeah, it won't help to, it won't hurt to uh, distance myself a little bit from Vern Schillinger and Oz. And you know, I think in my review for that on ESPN.com, I think I even mentioned the Jim. You were Jim Lelandy. Oh, awesome! In that movie or something right. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because his pet phrase, one of his pet phrases was, uh, "At a baby." Add a baby, yeah, yeah, and I, and I did throw in some add a babies. I mean, uh, 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 it was my first movie with Sam Raimi. We ended up doing five movies together, and and we're talking about another one. Hopefully, that'll Ooh. happen. And um, uh, it was uh, he always, uh, uh, in my experience with him, has has given everybody uh, uh, and certainly myself uh, room to move, or room to play, room to improvise. So so a lot of what you see in the dugout, especially, is is just. Uh, uh, you know, the cameras get turned on and Sam goes, okay, it's the bottom of the eighth and Shoot the, the time runs the on team, third yeah. and ready to go, you know. I think uh, if you're making a, a baseball movie with characters from different movies, I think that's the manager. There it's, you go. He, it's him and maybe maybe the coaching staff from The Natural would be my awesome. two, those two guys. I'll, I'll take I, it. That would be I'll, my I'll, three I'll dudes. absolutely take it. I have a really complicated relationship with that movie because... I think the baseball stuff is fantastic. And I've, I've even written this. If you just took out the entire love plot <laughs> and you just cut it into a 70 minute baseball movie, it would be spectacular. Cause when I'm flipping channels, I, in the baseball, it's like, Oh, here's the part where Costner is about to realize he's actually throwing a perfect game or, Oh, right. this is the Mickey Hart part. Like I'm in for all those. And then it's like, Oh, here's Kelly Preston. They're out of date again. I'm like, Hey, can we get back to the the perfect game? <laughs> well, you, you, you're not alone there. Yeah. And, I'm not uh, alone. Know, I mean, it was and, the flaw of the movie. But to me, that was the beauty of the book, which is this, this little novella really. Uh, yeah. Um, is uh, uh, you know is that is that dichotomy and that you know the 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 deeper you know real life aspects of that love story? But uh, definitely, uh, most of us who were in uniform in that movie are pretty pretty much agree with you. Yeah, yeah nothing yeah. against Kelly Preston. I mean, but uh, but uh, it's just the baseball stuff was so good, and then the rom com stuff was just rom com stuff. You well, know? And, it's, and it's yeah, like, and it is one of those baseball movies where you know because God knows we've seen plenty of sports movies where they're like, wow, did. Anybody involved with this ever play a sport of any kind ever, you know? And this movie was so smart uh, uh, with the baseball stuff. And Costner's a really good athlete. I mean, Costner's I'm on the bench phenomenal. there with guys who are high minor leaguers or ex-big leaguers or ex-coaches. Jim yeah. Colborn, uh, who played my uh, my third base coach, who's still a buddy to this day. Um, and, and and they're saying, wow, this, this guy can play. This guy can throw. Oh, he can yeah. move. He Think can, how many you know, pitches he... He uh he randomly came to the Grantland holiday party once because Jimmy Kimmel brought him. Yeah. And of course I cornered him for twenty minutes about sports sports movie questions. But he said he threw like a kajillion pitches. Oh, dude. He, and he was, he was th- like, he was I don't he was like by the end of that movie, my shoulder was just gone. <laughs> yeah. That was it was just history. There was no like hundred and ten pitch count, you know, with Costner. <laughs> he needed like yeah. seven Tommy John surgeries to uh <laughs> yeah. he said uh he said John C. Riley, they had to they had to get a little creative with the cutting around his throwing. <laughs> maybe a little. He had, yeah. he had everything down with the catching except for the having the cannon arm. Maybe. Yeah. Well, and, and then, had everything else. And then the scene where he uh, he scores the only run of the game. Yeah. Scores from second to everybody's surprise on a, on a single, right? Yeah. Because he is a catcher. Um, and they, <laughs> that's one of the ones we were shooting. I'm sorry, John. I'm sorry. I'm I'm throwing you under the bus here, man. I love you. I'm going to see him in a few weeks. Um, he had but, a sliding uh, issue. But they had, you know, he had to come barreling down, you know, the third baseline to home, very close 
tag play, and this is in the old block the plate days, and slide head first into home, right? And they did it a couple times with this double, who uh, I'm an idiot because I forget his name, um, who was a ball player. And then and then they did they did it with John, and uh, it wasn't Colborn. It was one of the other uh, ex big leaguers coaches who was sitting next to me. <laughs> He's got the the big you know chaw in, and and John did his first take of running and diving and sliding head first, and this guy. <laughs> This guy leans over me and goes, Jesus Christ, it looked like it got shot by a sniper. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I love that movie. I like when he signs the baseball. It always gets me. Tell him I'm through. Yeah. For love of the game. It's just great. It's a great moment. And thanks for not calling it for the love of the game, which 90% of people do. Like the movie I did called Thank You for Smoking. and People just always call it Thank You for Not Smoking because that's... It's a good one. In the Costner, brains. the Costner baseball movie trilogy, yeah, of the Field of Dreams, Bull Durham, and then playing the aging pitcher at the end. But I always think of any time there's an old pitcher, yeah. I always there's like always like a Billy Chapel yeah. shadow. How did you become Jason Reitman's spirit animal? Yeah, you know, did you uh, audition for that? It's a beautiful thing. I did audition for the first one. Thank you for smoking. And but uh, how, did you have to audition to be a spirit animal, or was that that just kind was of that happened? a separate audition? Well, I don't I, know. I, I guess that was uh, an audition that I was unaware of because when I first of all when I went to audition for for his first movie, Thank You for Smoking, um, because I'm you know an idiot who I, I'm not tuned into showbiz at all. I had no idea who Jason Reitman was. He, he was this very hot, you know, up and coming director. Young director. He had all these yeah. short films. He was already a Sundance darling. He's, by the way, the son of Ivan Reitman, um, who everybody in show business, you know, knows and worships. And yeah, I just went to this. It was just like this cool script and this fun character. And I'm going to audition, and it's kind of a pain because it's out in Santa Monica, and I live, you know, in Hollywood. And uh, I'm, I'm there i'm on time and they're behind as they always are and i'm waiting like 45 minutes and then i go out to plug my parking meter and uh and you know this this person whoever he is jason reitman is not there yet and i'm out going plugging and i'm deciding am i gonna plug my parking meter or am i gonna just get in my car and go home and have lunch with my wife and uh because because at a certain point for me back in the days when i had to audition um (laughs) It would be like, I've waited 45 minutes and I'm just getting irritated and antsy. And if this character is not irritated and antsy, I'm not going to do well, you know? Yeah. Um, so I was kind of having that interior battle. And then as I'm deciding and standing by the parking meter, this this random dude comes up and he goes, hey, J.K. Simmons, you know? And that was a point where I, you know, sometimes got recognized, but not usually with my full name. And, and I went, uh, yeah, yeah, how you doing? And he took this half second pause and he went uh, I'm Jason Reitman I'm uh, he said I'm so sorry I'm late I'm here to and I was like oh yeah 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 I was just just plugging my meter here you know because I'm because I'm totally ready to wait around for a little more and uh went in auditioned for him obviously it went well he asked me to play the part and uh and despite the fact that he's basically I'm his dad's generation you know I mean I, I could be his father biologically um he became a real a real mentor to me and uh and we, I, I invited him to join uh, uh, our poker game, which was a bunch of, you know, old farts my age. And um, and I remember when I first invited him, he said, yeah, I, I, I don't really play poker. And I said, perfect. Right. You know. Bring some money. Well, yeah, we'll, 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 teach we'll, we'll teach you. We'll take your money. We'll take your money and teach you how to play. And like within, you know, five or six games over the course of a few months, he was immediately the best player at the table. Because really? he's just 
a genius guy. And, um, yeah, and anyway, then he, you know, so at a poker game a year later, he hands me this script, and he goes, you got to read this. This is really good, and I think I'm going to do it. And there was this little movie called Juno. And he didn't even tell me, I want you to play this awesome part of the dad. I was So I'm reading the script thinking, oh, here's this little one-scene part. Maybe I could do that. Maybe I could do this. And, you know. How many have you done with uh, him now? At uh, least four, right? Uh, four, five. Oh, I just finished one this fall, um, the movie called The Front Runner. Well, I know um, he feels like you're, you're, uh, yeah, you're no, his good luck charm. He's called me his muse, yeah. uh, which is uh, troubling. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, every one of his features that's come out to date, I've, I'm either in or in one, we just, because there was no part that made sense for me to do that wouldn't just sort of be weirdly, you know, attention grabbing cameo. He had me do a an off-camera voice in, uh, in his movie you in? Young Adult, just so we could say, yes, I've been involved in every right movie. I really liked so. Young Adult. I never understood why Charlize didn't. Oh, I... well, she came on the podcast six months ago and she was like so excited that I liked it and thought that movie was awesome. Because I think like everybody who was in it was like, why didn't this do better? Yeah, yeah. No, it was a brilliant, she was brilliant movie. And it. she was crazy. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah. So, and it was a great. They have another movie coming out. Uh, yeah, yeah. I he think, likes in the her. spring that, yeah. Um, that's going to really, really turn heads again. Yeah, she was unbelievable, and and the bold choices in the in the storytelling there, and the, and that she just you know one hundred and ten percent went with it. Yeah, she, she was, totally did. She was so awesome. you became over the two thousands. You turned into this like kind of high level character actor, and you're in all these different things, popping in and just doing good stuff, and that keeps going, and then all of a sudden whiplash happens. Go figure. <laughs> and that was Reitman. There was a Reitman connection there. Yeah. He sent me the script. He emails me the script and he goes, uh, and it was a script at the time for for the, the feature film and also the short film. And he said, uh, uh, you know, you got to read this. It's great. And, uh, and the kid's like, what, 26, Damien? Oh, younger than that. He 24? was like 24, I think, when I met him. And he, and he looked like <laughs> this was... When I first met Damien, I, I had uh, uh, I just read the the scripts, the short film and the feature. It's it's you know everybody who's seen it knows that it's genius, and uh, and I'm I'm so excited to meet this guy. And I'm thinking, okay, this is a film, a story about jazz, the ultimate American art form, really African American art form. The guy's name is Damien Chazelle. I have no idea who that is, but in my mind, I'm seeing Antoine Fuqua. Yeah. Right? So I'm thinking I'm gonna there's gonna be this, you know, tall, impressive black dude with yeah, like, that a, does like, sound a like a beret on or yeah. something that I'm that I'm gonna go meet. And and they set up the meeting and we're gonna sit down, we're gonna have lunch, and I and I walk into the restaurant and I'm kinda I mean, if if you filmed this moment, nobody would believe it because I'm like looking around, looking around, and I'm looking right through and past this like skinny little curly haired Jewish kid from New Jersey who's finally starts raising his hand and waving and going, hi, JK, it's me, Damien. <laughs> uh, and I went, oh my God, is this really the mind that spawned this, this work of total genius? Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, and the rest was, it was just, uh, we, we did the short film. It's almost with, like you uh, had to use your Broadway chops in that movie. Oh, well, my, no, back, like back way before that, I, mean, I had to do my, my I, I got my degree at the University of Montana in, in music. Yeah. And composition, voice, conducting, 
So it's like uh, the perfect movie for you. Yeah, yeah. And that was the first thing that after we sat down, Damien said, uh, he said, listen, first of all, I just want you to not be intimidated by the musical aspects of this. He said, you know, we'll have a, 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 a consultant, you know, a professional conductor who, you know, can help you. And we'll have a body double, you know, that we can use for some of the long shots to do the, the real conducting stuff. And and I said, I, no, don't you don't need to because yeah. that's my whole background. And he was, I mean, there was this sort of kismet moment where he went, wow. He wrote the thing with Miles Teller in mind without knowing that Miles had been playing drums since he was 15 years old. Seriously? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, this was one of those things that was like, you look back on it, and everything was just meant to be, and everything came together, you know. I said this. We did. had Miles on a few months ago, and I was saying, it's not a sports movie, but it kind of feels like one. It's like it, yeah. There's like this genre of sports movies that have no sports in it, that have like kind of the beats and moves of a sports movie with like the same kind of... The music scenes are basically the sports movie scenes. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I like a, a boxing movie. Yeah, it's like, like it's almost. what it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's like this mano a mano something. Yeah. So at what point did you think you had a chance to get nominated for an Oscar for this? I am i don't... Had you been nominated for an Oscar before? I don't know. No, remember. and I'd never, I'd, I'd never, I'd always had this sort of weird disdainful distancing thing from, oh, awards for the arts are anti-creative, you know, wh- yeah. whatever, you know. Um and and it, but and it had never been really a part of my world since I got the best actor trophy at the Big Fork Summer Playhouse in Montana right. when I was in college, you know. And I just it I mean, it it didn't cross my mind at all. We made the short film with uh, with another wonderful actor, Johnny Simmons, playing no the Miles playing what became the Miles Teller part. And the short film went to Sundance, uh, made a big splash, best short at Sundance, blah blah blah, and it accomplished what it set out to do, which was let's get some interest and some money so we can, you know, get three and a half million or whatever and make the feature. Um, and now I've been digressing so much, I forget what your question was. <laughs> Time is going to help us. Oh, awards. Yeah. Oh yeah. Did you um, think? Yeah. Well, we were, uh, um, we were in Cannes, which was my first time at Cannes and, and Miles uh, couldn't make it. Damien and I were there. The reception at Cannes was, was like a storybook. Again, if you filmed it, People would go, okay, all right, stop, because people don't clap that long at the end of a movie, you know. Um, and and we're uh, we're at a little, you know, bar restaurant afterwards, having some food and a drink, and my agents there, and Damien, and and uh, um, uh, Michael and Tom, the guys from uh, from Sony Classics, who had just you know picked up the movie, and uh, and we're talking, and they were telling me this was in May. And they were telling me, oh, so this is what's going to happen now. This festival, that festival, you're going to go here, 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 and here. We were very optimistic. There's going to be nominations for all these awards, and you're going to need to do this, 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 and this, and go to London and go to Toronto and go to... And I was like, yeah, no, I'm not... No, thanks. I'm not... I'm going to go to my next job. I'm going to go back to my family and drive the kids to school and work when there's work and hope that it's in L.A. like Whiplash was. And... uh, and we went. There. We had this ridiculous sort of back and forth where Michael and Tom were, were going, yeah, 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 no, we get it, you know. But you you got to understand, this is like big, and and could be like. And I was, and I just kept going, yeah, no, I don't care. I don't. Yeah, I'm not. That's not why I do it. Blah 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 blah. And finally, Michael. Um, yeah, it was Michael Barker who said, uh, "All right, all right, what's it going to take?" You know, like I, like I'm holding out. You know. Because apparently, I guess people ask for you know, eh, pay me a hundred grand, and I'll you know, um, 
And I said, well, I said, I don't know. I mean, you know, the reason I like working at home is because I like my life. I like my wife right. and kids. I like to see them every Watch day. Watch Tigers you know? games. I said, yeah, yeah. I said, how about they come with me? And and they said, well, sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, so there it was. You know, that, that sounds like a fun year. They were on the ride. Yeah. And yeah. And my, my, my wife and I sort of embraced the whole thing. And, uh, she was on every red carpet with me from, you know, Palm Springs to, you know, here and there and everywhere. And the kids were along for most of it. Uh, my son got a little bored with it, but uh, but our, our daughter was into it. What do you and, remember and, about, like, the whole award season's run from, like, I guess well, Golden Globes all the way through? Yeah, yeah. You're just basically the same. It's basically the same award show over and over again, but the stakes keep getting higher. Yeah, uh, but but it was also like a snowball rolling downhill because the the people who really know about all that stuff started telling me early on it's like they're like it's not even a question. You're like you're like, you know, 900 to 1 in Vegas. I mean, it's like they everybody knows you're going to win all these awards including the Oscar. So every time I went to one of those things, or whatever, the New York Film Critics or this or that or the other thing, the Golden Globes, the SAG Awards, the, the BAFTAs in London, you know, it was with this weird sort of sense that, like, they're going to call my name and I'm going to go up there and they're going to hand me a trophy and I'm going to try and think of something nice to say. And uh, so, so when it got to the Oscars, I'm sitting there with my wife and she's in her beautiful purple dress and we're down really close to the front of the stage and... Uh, uh, and it's the first award I think that they that they announce and and when they said my name it was there was there was like a little sense of relief yeah more than anything else because I was like I mean if I, if they don't say my name I'm I'll, I'll feel like a complete schmuck you feel like the Patriots in 07 <laughs> or something yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and they did and I and I went up there and for people who are, are interested <laughs> I was I had always all those awards that I got and 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 you know. I'm very grateful for that whole season. I never like prepared a speech or memorized a speech or wrote down a list of names to thank or anything. I just kind of went up with a usually sort of a general idea. This is what I want to say. This is what's important to me. This is like what I want to get out there. Yeah. So, so I went up, I'm walking up on stage and I'm just kind of trying to keep my cool because it's the Kodak theater and everybody in show business is, you know, Meryl Streep is standing up down there clapping and actors that I've, that I've known and respected for years but I mean, not known, but not known personally, are are standing up, like looking at me like I'm their, you know, cousin or something, you know, like like they have this this you know sort of whatever journeyman respect for oh like my you, career or whatever. And, you're like uh, the uh, yeah, you're the actor's actor. Yeah, yeah, and I'm and yeah. I'm and I've got I've developed a reputation that I'm not a pain in the butt to work with, and right. you know, so so you know, they like me, they really really like a, me. You I know? spent a half hour with you. I I like working with you. This is fun. <laughs> yeah, I'm just getting a little old, frankly, right now. I'm kind of ready to go, but uh, um, but but I'm walking up there, sort of trying to think of what to say, and uh, uh, Lupita Nyong'o is 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 handing me the the trophy because she was the best supporting actress the previous year. And I and I get up to her and I'm kind of like in my head and not really focused and I and I go to <clears throat> shake her hand like you know not in the like sort of not Hollywood way like oh yeah you're supposed to do the fake kiss on the cheek but I'm also reaching for the trophy and what I ended up doing and you can rewind this you can find this on face uh, on uh, uh, YouTube I basically gave her just a little headbutt just just really? a little bit of a headbutt as I'm as I'm. She's leaning in for the kiss, and I and I and I kind of belatedly went, "Oh yeah, the fake kiss," and and little 
a slight clash of noggins there. Yeah. God, if you had drawn blood, that would have that would have been awesome. Been the most unbelievable Oscars <laughs> moment until they screwed up the envelopes. <laughs> would have been blown off the stage. So then you go to the parties the whole night holding the Oscar. Uh, yeah, which is just that's got to be the best. It's yeah. like holding a deer's head. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I just shot this. Like, what, seven points. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Took this thing down. Yeah. So then what happened to your career? You're just getting all these crazy opportunities? Um, well, uh, my, my career was already well beyond anything I had ever fantasized yeah, about or imagined, you, to, you know, but, but that yeah. That puts you I mean, another stratosphere, it just, I mean, the sheer level of offers and scripts flying my way, you know, increased immediately. And, of course, half of them were to play a guy that berates everybody. And this is, <laughs> you know, I mean, it was like, oh, it's like whiplash light, right. you know. Um, You're an angry and, college uh, basketball coach. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, uh, you know, it, it was, it was, uh, easy to turn down a lot of things and, and, uh, and, and really a position of, uh, you know, which I'm still more or less fine my with self in of, uh, you know, scripts just keep coming. And, and I, and I, oddly, the, the, the biggest benefit of that is that it's given me the confidence to sort of not always work right? and know that, you know, I'm, I'm going to be all right. And, and the offers are going to keep coming. I took the whole summer off this past summer, traveled around Europe wow. with my wife and kids. I took all the way from, I finished the Jason Reitman movie, um, in the middle of November and I'm, and I'm not going back to work until a week after next. And it's, it's been, you know, my age is getting a little like, you know, come on, you man, keep, you're turning down a lot of stuff, you know, but, uh, uh, you know, and I, and I haven't always made brilliant choices. I didn't always make brilliant choices before, but, uh, I'm only doing stuff that I find interesting. And, uh, especially if it shoots in LA without getting too movie nerdy, you couldn't have been surprised by Damien's next thing in La La Land and like between Whiplash and that movie, just what happened? Oh, I mean, he he's going to make brilliant movies for you know. Hopefully, do you the think, next. I hate the word years. genius, but do you think no, he's no, actually I'm a genius? You. Yeah, I. It's not a word. It seems it's like a, people actually think he is a genius. Yeah, that word gets tossed around, but I I've used it for him, and I, I without you know without feeling like oh well, I'm kind of you know overinflating something. No, right. I mean I think I, I think that word absolutely applies. And his film that he's working on now, uh, uh, First Man, is a is a a biopic about Neil Armstrong uh, walking on the moon. You know, I mean, it's, it's going to be such a departure from La La Land, which was such a departure from Whiplash. He's going to continue to surprise people and just be brilliant for ever. I felt bad for him with the La La Land stuff because it became this polarizing movie. And I don't think he ever intended it to be a big movie. I think this was like he used Whiplash to make this little crazy idea he had that he really believed in and i didn't think he wanted it to be the biggest movie of the year yeah no no no. and that and that idea for la la land had had been in his head i even before the idea for whiplash even though yeah. whiplash is uh, uh you know semi-autobiographical um that's just, i thought that sucked how that played out because everybody's so eager to have the backlash yeah 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 and this year it's going to happen to three billboards i know that thing's going to get raked through the coals over the next four weeks because it's the favorite right now and people are going to decide it shouldn't be and here we go and yeah yeah you we know, know how this goes they're, they're always haters who want to you know yeah pick on michael jordan or, la la land you know, was a cool movie i didn't love it i didn't think it was the best movie of the year but i'm glad i saw it and i thought it was really creative well and when you get you know when you get right down to it it's the same uh, you know with awards like that as you know you're picking a, a brilliant apple a against a brilliant orange against right. a, against a great 
hammer. I mean, you know, it's it, it's you know, they're they're different things. My theory say, is that I think we should wait five years to give out the Oscars, like with the oh, baseball hall of fame. See what lasts. Baseball right. hall of fame, we wait five years, right? <laughs> I want to wait five with the Oscars. Yeah, I don't think that's going to sell. It, wait, it definitely <laughs> won't sell. It definitely won't sell. But sometimes you look back and you go, oh, yeah. You know, like I think the movies this year. I think five years from now, I think Get Out and Lady Bird, I think are going to have legs. I think people are going to remember 2017 for those two movies. And yeah, I think you're right. I, th- I, th- I think three billboards will too. Uh, we'll that, see. That I don't was know. A, a, that was a big favorite of mine this year. Um, I mean, oh, so you, you know, as usual, you know, this is the time of year when everybody's going, oh, it was a great year for movies. And, you know, I mean, this yeah. really was a good year. Yeah. I, yeah. I, mean, I, I thought I was, I'm pro 2017. We've had. You know, it's like sports. It comes and goes. Some year yeah. in sports, you have like just incredible Final Fours and championship games and Super Bowls. And other years, they all suck. So you never know. What made you want to do a star show? Uh, I didn't want to do TV or a star's show. I, I just wanted to, you know, uh, continue to chase good stories and good scripts and want to work with good people. And uh, uh, when uh, when this was presented to me, I actually didn't think, uh, counterpart, uh, I didn't think I would end up doing it but it was shortly after whiplash and after the oscar and after all these things and i was you know the flavor of the month and everybody wanted to meet with me and and i got this script by justin marks and i loved it and i loved it even before i got to the point of the script where this whole little sci-fi you know sugar gets sprinkled on the top of the storytelling yeah and uh but i went to the meeting with with justin and with jordan horowitz coincidentally producer of la la land yeah uh, and uh, and Morton Tildum, who was uh, directing the first episode of Counterpart, who I had loved his work on um, The Imitation Game. Um, and uh, so I just thought, I really want to meet these guys. I don't know this guy, Justin Marks, but I love his writing. And, and we sat down to chat, and I said, I love it, I love it, I love it. Here's why I'm not the guy. I'm not the guy because of uh, I think I'm, uh, uh, I'm 20 years too old for it. And they kind of talked me out of that. And Justin was like, no, no, no. I always saw this guy as this sort of pushing 60, you know, like his last opportunity to make something of himself. Um, uh, so he talked me out of that. And then I said, you know, I'm I, I'm not comfortable with the idea of being, you know, the guy that's there 70 hours a week. You know, part of the reason I like working at home is that, you know, I actually like having a life and a job at the same time. So often in showbiz, if you're the lead on a show, you just, I mean, you, you work and you sleep and that's it. And I'm, I'm not loving that idea. And he said, uh, he said, well, after the first couple episodes, there's going to be a lot of subplots and you're still going to be the lead guy, but it's not all going to fall on you. And, you know, you'll have a, a morning off once in a while, take your kids to school. And then the third thing I said was it's set in, at the time it was set in sort of generic Eastern Europe and they were going to shoot in Romania. And I was like, yeah, well, that's, you know, that's, just I'm out. I'm, I, I just can't. I mean, that's just not me. That just doesn't fit my life. And they all sort of looked at each other around the table, and Morton said, I can shoot L.A. for Romania. And I was... They're in, totally... I mean... <laughs> yeah, I was in I've total shock. i said that often. Yeah. I was like, wow, you, you you win a bunch of trophies, and like you can pretty much do whatever you want. You know? Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I, I signed up, and, and, then, and then they went and took the show with me attached to it after we made our deal, and they went to pitch it to networks, and... The usual suspects, Netflix, HBO, Showtime, stars, uh, uh, on down the line, like like 15 networks. And there was interest from a lot of people. And stars stepped up and said, look, we want it badly enough. We're going to ask for two seasons up front. We'll guarantee you two seasons up front based on what we have right now. So 
that was our uh, I'm, how I'm we ended up with I'm putting three stars. on my DVR, and I told you this before we started. Yeah. And then I'm watching all three in a row because that's my new strategy with TV shows. You're allowed. I'm too. I'm too used now to being able to watch more than one. So I like to do three so you, in a row. So that's you're a, you're it's a victim like a, of the 21st century attention yeah, span. The you ADD gotta, thing. Yeah. But I'm excited for it. The ads were good. I thought the ad campaign was strong. It got me interested. Yeah, it's, Usually it's, ad campaigns are bad for TV shows. This was actually. And, and I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> as the marketing department knows. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a big, I mean, I, you know, I like doing the work. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm not a big fan of the, of the marketing for TV shows in general either. But I think they did a great job with this. And, and more importantly, the show is intriguing enough and, and smart enough uh uh, that uh, it's getting good reviews and, and good. people are loving it and word of mouth is good. So uh, yeah, hopefully it'll be around for a few years. What's the best scene, best acted scene you've ever been in? Uh, the scene with me and me. That what would do you mean? be the scene in Counterpart where I play my own counterpart and there's two J.K. Simmonses just... You're acting with yourself? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Best actor I ever worked with. <laughs> the guy. I mean, I know what everybody's been talking about all these yeah, years. Now I get it. Yeah. This now, guy's something. Now I have that experience. <laughs> the Tigers haven't won a World Series since 1984. I got to go. <laughs> that was 34 years ago. Thank you. Now, 33 and a half. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And this year, the Tigers are basically the mud hens. Right. So, are the Tigers officially, is it officially a tortured fan base? Because I feel like two oh. generations makes you tortured. Well... Because like the 86 Mets now, I think, qualified last year because they were 31 years. Now, right. I'll accept arguments from Mets fans after they pulled the World Series out of their assholes in 1986. But now it's been 31 years. If you're 36, you don't remember that. Well, we've had we had the, the Jim Leland years. Yeah. And, D- and, and that, you know, two World Series. Sponsored by Marlboro I mean, Red. Playoff, <laughs> playoff appearances, you know, expected and delivered almost every year. A great, great run. Uh, you know, we underperformed in a couple of World Series. That's you know, you can't say oh, Jim. Two thousand thirteen was a disgrace because you oh, guys had a better awful. team than my just, Red Sox. Just, I don't know how we beat you. Just bad coaching, bad base running, bad no, defense. It bad, was a cluster. Bad plate umpiring, but I'm not yeah. gonna. You know, I mean, whatever. <laughs> I'm not gonna. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of things got to bounce your way, and and you know, we had that horrible World Series against the Cardinals, and yeah. then, and then a at least as bad against the Giants. And then, yeah, that series against against your Red Sox was a Are you a going to these games? Are you using your Hollywood clout to like, get in there? I'm going to, you know what? I didn't go to any of uh, the World Series games the, uh, in 06, Leland's first year when we were like the big surprise. I did go to watch us beat the Yankees. Yeah. In Yankee Stadium. I was rooting for you that series. And, and we went, flew out just for the game with a buddy of mine. And then that was the one game that was rained out. And uh, and I'm I'm calling my wife. You know, we're back at the hotel. I'm calling my wife and going, "Oh, you know, blah blah blah. What a bummer. The game was rained out, and you know, uh, I'll see you tomorrow." She goes, what, "What are you talking about?" She goes, "You're not getting on a plane tomorrow." She goes, "I don't care. Wh- whatever's going on, yeah. I'll handle it. You know, if it's work, screw it." She said, you, "You're there. You, you know, just so go we, to a CD casino tonight in Detroit <laughs> yeah, yeah, or yeah. Ontario." <laughs> uh, no, 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 this was in New York. Oh, um, and uh, yeah, so we went, saw an awesome game the next night. You know, the two of us in our Tigers gear, being those two guys in yeah. the stadium. And then, you know, a week later, we uh, we jumped in the car and drove up to Oakland for uh, for not the deciding game in Oakland. I don't remember. It was Game Two, maybe in Oakland, and uh, and saw a great. 
Tigers victory there with uh, uh, with uh, um, Todd Jones making sounds me crazy. Like sounds like you're ready for another baseball movie. I think I am. Yeah, yeah. You think I'm too I old to play the center fielder? I don't know. Were you in Moneyball? I, I was at the table read of Moneyball. Didn't get it. But, no, what were you trying I, to get? I didn't Art get it. <laughs> well, that was that was the part they were looking at me. They were interested in me for it. It was not the part I was actually interested in. I was thought, okay, I'm a bald white guy, so I'll play Art Howe. You know, I didn't think it was that great a match. Otherwise, there was there was another part that I that I kind of had my eye on uh, that uh, uh, you know obviously uh, didn't didn't come my way. But uh, um, great movie. All right, so you. Everybody we have on a podcast somehow wants to make a baseball movie. Tommy, we just have to, yeah, we just we have to get up. Miles Teller want to do it. Hall wanted to do it. Who else? John Hamm. Yeah. I'll, I was I'll just take, talking I'll to John Hamm about this two weeks ago. On my team, and we have a, we have the, all the makings. I just need like like a month to grow the mustache. Coster's and, uh, ready. And I'll, absolutely, <laughs> Coster's well, ready for a sixty year old. Yeah, he's gonna have to be pitcher. on my coaching staff this time. <laughs> no, I think. He's, he's coming. He'll be back. the team owner. No, he's he's your he's your old knuckleballer. <laughs> he's figured out how to stay in the league. <laughs> oh, Cranston, that was the other one. He's Cranston. my uh, uh, yeah. Coster will be my uh, don't look back. Something might be gaining on you, uh, right. guy. Cranston's one of those. This is how you really know somebody loves baseball. The guys who are still in the in the baseball leagues, yeah, and they're like in their forties and they're out on Tuesday nights playing playing like real baseball, dude. I, and I played. I mean, I gave up on real baseball a long time ago, but I played softball, you know, in the Broadway show league and this and that. And I still, <laughs> sixty three years old, boys and girls. Yeah, uh, I still once a year myself and 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 a lot of my oldest buddies drag ourselves up to uh, northwestern Montana for. An annual softball game, the Townies against the Playhouse, that we started in 1970. Uh, <laughs> Do you bring an athletic trainer for the going, pulled hamstrings oh, and, no. and torn Achilles? I, I just and 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 the worst part of it is when you do you know tear you know six Something, things yeah. every year because you're old. Then then you you know sit on a plane or right. or get in a car for you know a day and a half going and stiffen up all the way home. <laughs> Your so legs it's a, like, like I gotta a have rack. a I gotta have at least a week after that game before I can go back to work. How but much? we have beaten the townies one more time than they have beaten us. Wow, my God. sounds like this should be televised. Facebook watch. Let's talk about it. How much tiger stuff did you steal from the set of for love of the game? Oh, we're just every day so you're much. taking stuff. Yeah. And, but I didn't even have to steal it because, because I got to be, and this wasn't like, like, you know, Machiavellian on my part. I just, both the wardrobe guy and the prop guy were these great guys that I, that I really hit it off with. So, uh, so the day I wrapped on that movie, which was not the final day of shooting. Yeah. Um, I'm in my trailer and, you know, saying goodbye to all these great people and, and, uh, and, and both the prop guy and the wardrobe guy just, just showed up like looking over their shoulder with a plain cardboard box going, Hey, JK, it's great working with you. Just get this Ooh. into your trunk as soon yeah, as you can. Sneak you know? this over. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, gloves and, uh, and the balls and uh, the whole costume, the jacket, you know, a few hats, got to have your home hat and your road cap. And, uh, yeah. And I still... I mean, uh, uh, and and Frank Perry was, you know, I was, I was, that was my second or third year of Oz, so I was in, I was in fighting shape then, you know, yeah. I was, I was pretty trim and lean and mean, and uh, um, so I, I, you know, I, I, that that's one of the things that keeps me, uh, that keeps me from ballooning back up again, is I, I got to be able to fit wear that, clothes. that that Frank Perry stuff. I'm still yeah. not positive. The final out, the the grounder on the second base side, the shortstop coming over, and then hitting the ground, getting up and throwing him out. 
that has to be a really slow base runner. I know it's Hollywood. <laughs> that is, that's that's just a lot of time is happening. The chopper, Costner touches it. Yeah. Shortstop comes over. Yeah. I don't know. I I almost need the the batter has to fall coming out of the box. No, it it was a slow runner. Has to be very slow. But you know, every every team's got a you know a, a catcher and an aging right fielder or you know something. I mean, that's Hollywood. That's what Hollywood that's does. Hollywood. And slow mo. You don't know how fast it's, it's happening. That's you don't true. know how many frames per I don't second. Have a feel for it. Yeah. Uh, J.K. Simmons. This was fun. You're one of my favorite Simmonses. Not that I'm not related well, to. Well, you're you're on my list of Thank favorite you. Simmonses. I appreciate Definitely it. top twenty. Thank you. Appreciate it. Top twenty. I'll take it. <laughs> Good luck with the show. Thank you. All right. Thanks a lot. <laughs> 